This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about the food of Hannibal. Yes, we are. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. This was a, a very fun one, but I think it might be the very first time I legitimately got nauseated uh, researching an episode. Uh, same. Yeah. Um, so how, you have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like minor content warning in that we're talking about this horror television show that is about murdering and eating people. So, you know, if that's not your cup of tea, yeah, don't listen to this one. It gets a little gruesome. It does. It does. And I mean, and obviously it is a television show. It's a fictional television show. None of it's real. We get we deeply hope. into exactly how not real the, <laughs> the the food is that they're serving on this show. But yeah, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I guess also... Spoiler alert. Oh, if, yes. If you haven't seen this show. Which and you is intend almost, to. Almost 10 years old, but not quite. So, yeah, if you if you mean to see it. I don't think we're actually going to get into too deep of spoilers, but they're, they're there. So, if you, if you don't yeah. want any, then. If you don't want any at all, then definitely um, uh, wait until you have just downloaded the series into your brain on mm-hmm. Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then listen. Yes. I definitely doing the research for this. I'm only on season one. I only started watching this show because we were going to do this 
episode. Um, so I'm like halfway through season one and reading up about it. I was like, oh, that's his, oh, I'm, oh, I'm so spoiled. Oh, heck. Oh, <laughs> heck. Dang Sorry. it. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't you. It was, it was all of these other writers who assume that, you know, someone reading an article about right, sure. the series will have watched the series. So. Yeah. Um, it, that's a fair assumption, I suppose. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but this has been one of our most requested topics lately. Yeah. I'm assuming because it is, it's kind of new to Netflix. Um, yeah, it was only this summer, I think maybe June, um, yeah. that it popped up on Netflix, so. Yeah, and it's also like Halloween time, mm-hmm. spooky topic. Mm-hmm. I I watched it all and enjoyed it, but it was very long. I mean, very long. It depends <laughs> on your definition of very long. It was like 2015, probably. Yeah. Um, And I remember very clearly the food scenes, the food looked delicious, and I was so disturbed by it. Mm-hmm. And I also remember very clearly, and Lauren and I had this conversation earlier, thinking, how did this get on network television? Yeah, yeah. Because it is a really upsetting, it is a really, like, psychologically and visually upsetting show. And yet we were we were talking about this earlier. And, like, I, I don't, like, Annie and I, y'all may have garnered, like, we watch a lot of horror mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Like, like essentially, like, genre fiction is the only stuff that I consume, and my favorite is horror and supernatural horror and body horror. And this show eked me out. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And it aired on network television. Yep. NBC. <sighs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, I will say this is one of my biggest, it makes me very squeamish as it's meant to, but. Sure. It's one of my, like, things that hard, it just will get to me. I know it will. So yeah. it, it was every episode I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, good, good, good for us. Good for us. Uh, cannibalism and really grisly, mm-hmm. uh, r- really uh, sociopathic murder still mm-hmm. upsets us. I think that's <laughs> it's probably <laughs> legit. A check mark in our in our columns in terms yeah, of Yeah, we being, might want to get worried if it's that goes yeah, away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I do want to yeah. throw in here, uh, when I was nine years old, I think the biggest trouble I've ever gotten into well, no, I have two really good stories for this, but one of the biggest I ever got into for watching a movie with a friend was when we uh-huh. were at my grandparents' house and my grandparents had HBO. Oh and we, so like we would wait till everyone was asleep and we would sneak out and watch HBO. <laughs> And I remember 3 a.m. one night, we watched Silence of the Lambs, and we both just had, like, a week of horrific nightmares. Oh, Until yeah. we finally had to fess up, and we weren't allowed <laughs> to see each other for weeks. Wow. <laughs> grounded, yeah. Oh, no. You were nine? Yeah, I think oh, so. Oh, my heck. Yeah, that's, well, A, you should not have watched that movie when you were nine. No wonder you had horrific nightmares. Um <laughs> I was I was about that age, like a little bit younger when I uh, when I watched one of the Freddy movies, one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, um, mm-hmm. like without my parents' full permission. Yeah. And yeah. I similarly like it's not that I had nightmares because I straight refused to sleep for like three days. <laughs> I mean, that's what that movie's all about, right? Everyone that has literally to go through is. that. <laughs> Seven year old Lauren had an interesting time, um, but. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I I saw I saw the film. I don't think I would have seen Silence of the Lambs in in a theater. I was a little bit too young, but um, but I did see it 
later when it came out on, on, on video or TV, um, and very much enjoyed it when I was in like middle school. And that's also when I started reading the books. But anyway, I, I think that this brings us to our question. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the food of Hannibal. What is it? <laughs> it's probably people. It's a great question. <laughs> the food of Hannibal is likely people. Um, yeah. But okay. Okay. Um, Hannibal, um, if you didn't know and are very confused at this juncture, um, is a television series that debuted in 2013 um, from this creative team headed up by one Brian Fuller, who's the guy behind some other like really weird, excellent, morbid television series um, like uh, Dead Like Me and Wonderfalls and Pushing Daisies and American Gods. He's done stints on um, Heroes and Star Trek. Uh, kind of here and there. He's also, he, he's, he's famous and or infamous for doing these really weird shows, but also famous and or infamous for um, leaving those shows or those shows being canceled before mm-hmm. their time. Mm-hmm. Hannibal, similarly, ran for three seasons and then, yes, was canceled. Um, Fuller has said that he had, he I think he pitched like a full seven seasons to begin with. He has like at least three more that he kind of has planned and fans. And, and I believe the whole creative team um, really do hope that it will come back someday. But. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if they, I don't want to spoil anything, but the mm-hmm. final episode, the ending, I was it's like, It's pretty oh. final. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, I, so I wonder if they did that knowing it was canceled. I, I think and, they did, yeah. There was something else planned and how they would come back from that. Um, he's he's talked a little bit about it, and I'll I'll throw in that at the end. Um, but uh, okay. but yeah, so um, so the story of Hannibal um, is the story set in the world of Doctor Hannibal Lecter, the the infamous fictional psychologist turned serial killer slash cannibal. Um, <laughs> we all know those people. We- you know. <laughs> Try to keep them out of your life, but you know. You know, huh. um, they're just so charming. They always come yeah, apparently. back. Apparently, <laughs> um, most of us, most most of us, like Annie and I, were um, were introduced to Dr. Lecter in um, *The Silence of the Lambs*, which is a novel that was written in 1988 and then adapted into this just gorgeous, upsetting film in 1991 with uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins playing Lecter, opposite Jodie Foster playing Clarice Starling, who's this FBI uh, psychological profile trainee. And Hopkins and Foster both won Oscars for their portrayals um, alongside, like, it won Best Picture and Director um, Jonathan Demme and uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, all of which I mentioned to say that, like, this movie was a big deal, and it, and it really catapulted this property and this villain in Dr. Lecter in particular into the public mind. Um, now, in the film, um, Lecter has already been caught and imprisoned for his crimes, and, and Foster's character, uh, Clarice, is, is going to him for advice on this new string of murders that's occurring. And, and the story is actually a sequel to a story first written as a novel published in 1981 by the name of Red Dragon, in which another different FBI profiler, one Will Graham, turns to the imprisoned Lecter for help. Um, And now Graham is the one who caught Lecter prior to the events of Red Dragon. Um, And after the success of the movie Silence of the Lambs, the author of of these books, Thomas Harris, wrote another sequel called Hannibal, um, which further explores Lecter and Starling's relationship 
and then a prequel called Hannibal Rising, which explores Lecter's youth. Um, and if you heard some bells ringing in the background, that's because my cat is on my lap <laughs> now because he decided to join in for the cannibalism times. He was like, yeah, of course. yeah, I eat weird <laughs> stuff. Cool. <laughs> He's a fuzzy little murderer. Mm-hmm. Uh Anyway, uh, so so the, the TV series Hannibal um, is set in between Hannibal Rising and Red Dragon, and it explores this relationship between Will Graham, um, played in the show by Hugh Dancy, and Dr. Lecter, played by um, Mads Mikkelsen. Um, in the time before Graham has figured out that Lecter is, you know, like killing and eating people. And sometimes feeding those people too. Will Graham, in to, theory. <laughs> yeah, and lots of other FBI related yep. humans. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that eating people part. Um, we're a food yeah. show. Uh, mm-hmm. Ostensibly. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I've never been more worried to say that in an episode in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hard same, friend. Hard same. <laughs> uh, okay. So so yeah, so the, the thing about Hannibal Lecter that that makes him such a compelling character is that he's he's very urbane, um, very refined in, in his speech and manners and style and taste, if you'll forgive the, the pun. Um, uh, he, he's very well-educated, very smart. He's meticulous. Um, he's a lot of these things that, that we as a society hold up as being like venerably civilized, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And he has no regard for human life. Um, and and for these basic tenets of civilization, like like we don't eat people, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so so you know, like a key and creepy part of this character is that he doesn't just kill someone and like take a chomp. He 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 butchers them and he uses their flesh and their organs to prepare these ornate delicacies um, with with distinct elements of like hot cuisine or nouvelle cuisine, um, mm-hmm. and. And Lecter talks about this in Silence of the Lambs. There's that, there's that famous line. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Uh, but we don't see it on film until the sequel, Hannibal. A really disturbing scene, different. That's, yeah. that's not oh, going to yeah. get into it here. But uh, one of the one of the really interesting and remarkable things about the television series is that, like, you know, like it, it's it's set in the modern day. Um, it's not a it's not a period piece. Um, and and we, both the viewers and the creators of the show, you know, like have had decades of food photography and film culture that borders on pornographic, um, mm-hmm. like these sumptuously plated and lit and filmed uh, plates of food, and like. You know, Thomas Harris writing these books, certainly back in 1981, but um, but even the sequels ranging into the early 2000s, like, he could have had no idea what food television and Instagram was going to do to the presentation of food and the presentation of chefs. Um, and so Hannibal, the series, is interesting because it takes all of that and shows us Lecter, the chef, beautifully preparing these beautiful dishes um, and you just never know whether those cuts of meat that he's working with are from humans or not. Nope. <laughs> oh. Oh. Now this reminds me of another. I, did, I forgot about this, but when I was in high school, <laughs> uh-huh. I got like a really bad stomach flu. Oh, uh-huh. And um, 
at the time, we didn't have cable, but for for some weird, like, week, we got cable for free. Sure. It happened to be when I was homesick. And um, so I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to leave on the Sci-Fi Channel. Perfect timing for illness. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I guess it was, like, flesh-eating week. Oh. Because I okay. watched uh, Cabin Fever first and then Hannibal. And I remember just being like, where's the remote? Oh, <laughs> like, too no. sick to get it. And just feeling so awful and grossed out. And I have not seen either of those since. And I doubt I will watch them ever again. Oh, wow. That's understand That that scene, uh, oh gosh, uh, spoiler for the film Hannibal. Um, uh, there's a scene where Dr. Lecter serves, is it Ray Liotta? Yeah, Someone Ray Liotta. like that? His, yeah. his own brain? Uh-huh. Like, and while like, he's still alive. And yeah, and his head's, like, cut open and you can see his brain. In yeah. There. Oh. It's like no. a, it's, I remember at the time thinking that it was a really good special effect. I don't know if it would hold up because I have not rewatched right. that film, but. <laughs> well, um. it was enough for high school me to be like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> But let's talk about who made these beautiful, delicious-looking dishes. Yeah, for the for the TV series, because they are. They are so gorgeous. Yes. So, the show's food stylist was Janice Poon, who would write these detailed posts on the show's food after every episode on her blog, Feeding Hannibal. And she later uh-huh. released a cookbook under the yeah. same name in 2016. Love it. I know. I want to check it out so badly. Uh. Part of the horror of the show is that these dishes do, in fact, look delicious, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they are often made from human parts, or we're left to assume that they are. Yeah. Um, and sometimes fed to the human they came from, or to unsuspecting humans at large. Uh-huh. Uh, by making you salivate or desire to try these dishes, you, the viewer, feels complicit in Hannibal's monstrosities. Um, yeah, yeah. Most of his dinner guests are completely unaware of what they're really eating. Of course they are. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is a horror in itself. Can we truly ever know for sure what's in some of the foods that we eat? Oh. I mean, that's yeah. been that's been something that's plagued us forever. Sure. Oh. But my I mean, you usually not to this horror level, right? Right. But you mm-hmm. know. Huh. The sh- I know. And yes, the show <laughs> at times feels like a cooking show. Uh-huh. Um, according to one of the producers and writers, Nick and Tosca, we admire great chefs, and this version of Hannibal Lecter is the greatest chef in the world. <laughs> yep. And guess what? They had one of the greatest chefs in the world behind it, Jose Andres. Yes. <laughs> he served as the show's culinary consultant. When asked about his role, he wrote, My input is mainly about how Hannibal would cook a certain body part, and I have to think of something that would look appetizing once it's cooked. And also, it was the cutest thing. Sometimes he would tweet after, well, I don't know if tweet, but he would write something up about after uh, an episode had published, and he'd be like, well, I'm salivating now, so I guess I did a good job. Oh, no. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, And all the episode titles are Mm food-related and specific to that episode. In the first season, each episode was named after a 13-course French menu, uh, serving as a structure for Hannibal's murders, but also the season arc, which I thought was very clever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the second and third seasons use um, Japanese and Italian terminology to name their episodes. It's oh, so good. Yeah, it is. Mm. 
And every dish in the show tells a story. There's a mood. It mm-hmm. propels the action forward. It portends something coming in the future. These dishes are disturbing, but also plot important. Yeah. The food has been described as one of the characters. Poon has been quoted as saying she has to navigate, quote, that liminal space between being seduced and being repulsed. Ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this particularly resonates during our time of food porn and foodie culture at large. She deliberately plays with things like trypophobia, which is fear of holes, to make people afraid that, quote, something alien has been implanted while we were sleeping. <laughs> and she, during this article I was reading, when she said that, she showed an example. And I was like, yep, I'm unsettled. I'm yep. unsettled. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> Worked. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, she grew up in a small town, and her family was involved in the restaurant world. Um, in her words, she grew up exposed to food 24-7. Like, she would help preparation before she went to school. Uh, and because of that, she absolutely didn't want anything to do with food. <laughs> Nothing in her work life. Uh-huh. So she went to art school and became an art director. And through that, she went into advertising. And some of her top accounts were these behemoth companies in the food realm, like McDonald's, Hmm. And through that, she had her first brush with food styling. Eventually, she left advertising and started freelancing as an artist and food stylist. But she was working on a children's book (laughs) when she got called up to work on Hannibal. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yep. On her first day on set, it's great. You should read interviews with her because she describes really not knowing what she was getting into um, and she showed up with these four pig lungs. Uh, she had like a bruised one and a pretty pink one. Oh, gosh. And she and other crew members discussed how a character like Hannibal would go about preparing it. Um, Poon has described these dishes Hannibal makes as a gift from the devil. He's gifting you with continued life by not killing you. And by enjoying these elaborate meals of luxury, meals that characters enjoy without knowing or asking, often, the cost, he's inviting you to join him to come to the dark side. Oh, yeah. And that's a, that's a really huge, like, overarching theme um, in, these, in these books and films. Um, I, I think really, really effectively done um, in, in, the, in the book Hannibal, um, the, the sequel, uh, in which I... By the end of that book, y'all, if you haven't read it, it's really interesting. By the end of the book, I realized that I was completely rooting for Hannibal Ooh. and not not for Clarice. And I was like, Welp, here we are. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'll never think about this again. Um, but but also very effectively in this show because he's just so dynamic and compelling. And I mm-hmm. oh man. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Uh, And there is a level of trust between cook and consumer. There's this level of intimacy almost. And to have that betrayed is very frightening and unsettling. And to have it, like, unknowingly. Right. uh, Again, there is a lot of UST in this show, which, if you don't know, is unresolved sexual tension. It's one of my favorite fan fiction terms because I think Hmm. it's useful. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's almost that like sensuality of how these dishes are presented and how they're prepared. And it's just sure. hanging over everything. And it gets more and more pronounced as it goes on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Bri- Brian Fuller has talked about that because the the um, the unresolved sexual tension is between um, Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter. And 
and and Brian Fuller is is a is a gay man as well, and uh, I, I think he did this extremely intentionally, and um, was was really trying to, to 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 play with these themes of 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 what what people do when when they're when they're in the society that isn't accepting them, and I mean you know obviously not a parallel like right eating people and right. like wanting to love who you love are yes. are. Two very, very, very separate issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd say they're on the opposite sides. The yeah, spectrum. they're not even on the same spectrum. That's two oh, yeah, different yeah. spectrums. Yes, um, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 no, but but you know, I I, I think that that he is using u- using these these parallels between these characters to explore an unorthodox um uh type of of loving relationship um and and to and to explore it through through two dudes in a homosexual relationship which we should be seeing more of on screen because because they exist and those stories are important even yeah. when they involve killing and eating people well yeah i mean you just got to up the drama if it's on network <laughs> television but you know that's tv that's <laughs> Always going to throw a cannibal in there. Jeez. Jeez. Television. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about this, how in a lot of horror depictions of spells, uh, you need a piece of someone's body, usually hair or fingernails Mm -hmm. that you ingest, and then they become a part of you or you have some sort of power over them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was thinking about how grossed out we get if we find a hair in our food, even if it's our own hair. (laughs) And a lot of episodes we've done, we've discussed foods that were meant to symbolize the bodies of enemies. And you would eat them to show your power over them. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently this is something that's really stuck with me because I wrote (laughs) this horror short called Red Velvet. And uh, you can check it out on the podcast 13 Days of Halloween, which should be out soonish. Now or soonish, depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the, I think the, Trailer is supposed to drop this Monday. The I don't know what days are anymore. Twelfth is, yeah. is it, yeah um, eleven or twelve, <laughs> and then it should it should start coming out. Uh, yeah, thirteen days before Halloween, hypothetically. Yeah, uh, and the one I wrote very much plays into this. The description I gave the producers, which they were the sweetest and <laughs> were very patient with me, was. Quote, while preparing for a party and attempting to think of a fun fact, stress causes a cupcake malfunction. Icebreakers are the real horror. Am I right? (laughs) And they went with it. Yes. (laughs) Oh, uh, side note, y'all do please check out that series. It's a it's a it's a horror anthology series. We're all really excited about it around here. I may or may not have a piece in it. I'm not sure, but um (laughs) are happening very quickly. <laughs> they, they are. Pieces are moving. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I do, mine's about the gut microbiome. Of um, course it is. Because of course it is. Because bacteria poop. I, do y'all really think that I would have written <laughs> a horror short that didn't yeah. involve bacteria poop being evil? Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I love that both of us did like food adjacent things. <laughs> of course we did. <laughs> of course we did. I did not write that piece about about. Haunted salt and pepper shakers, though. I'm sorry, Annie. Oh, we can we can work on that though. Okay. We can do that on here. Oh, yeah. ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. Back to Hannibal. <laughs> yes, back to Hannibal and back to this idea of like food and right. the power it holds over us. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have you have something like communion, where it's this right. holy offering 
the body of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, um, or ritualistic family meals that have the power of connecting us over shared experience and memories. And that theme of family, one that you make versus one mm-hmm. that you are born into, um, and how food plays a role in that runs throughout this series. In 1921, Freud wrote that the act of eating human meat is an act wherein that person, quote, is assimilated by eating and is in that way annihilated. And that's sort of the dichotomy of Hannibal. He's both this brutish predator and a man of, yes, very fine taste. Pun again. (laughs) He chooses his victims carefully. It's also a commentary on the convenience of consumer culture today, which allows us to really separate ourselves from the often not so pleasant stories and perhaps a downright disturbing way that our food gets to Mm us. Yeah. And on top of that, there is this layer of classism. Food is both something we need to survive and something that signifies class. Hannibal is the most cultured and stylized person on this show. Mm -hmm. The other characters trust him to be the arbiter of taste. No one wants to admit they couldn't tell you what lamb heart tastes like. It's weaponized classism. (laughs) If he had served me a plate, he's like, this is lamb heart. It's so rare, so pricey. I'd be like, oh, yes, I'll absolutely try it. And I wouldn't know what it tastes like. I wouldn't know, oh, this is human heart. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you know, you, you would do that thing where, um, you, you know, like like they say in tastings, if you suggest um, through, through written copy or through speech, like, oh, yeah, this wine is going to have notes of, uh, of, right. of, of earth and, and whatever and whatever. Um, it's, it's very, we're very impressionable. Yes. And so if you say, hey, this is lamb and you know what you know basically what lamb tastes like, but maybe you've never had like a lamb tongue. Yeah. You're just going to go, oh, sure. Yeah, I taste lamb in that. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, despite maybe the characters in this show, they were looking for a cannibal. In my general life, I'm never going to think, oh, what if this is human? Um <laughs> Unless there is a cannibal on the loose in my area. I, yeah, I've never <laughs> thought that when you or anyone else has has served me a plate of food. Yes. Yes, me either. Perhaps we should. Oh. I don't know. I don't know if oh. I want to live that way, Lauren. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm just going to eat, eat, eat it and... <laughs> we're, we're doing the thing that he plays on. <laughs> let go and let God. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have a lot more uh, interesting slash disturbing stuff to share with you. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... A lot of the food uh, in the show, used in particularly the, the dinner scenes, because a lot of episodes end on this kind of epic dinner scene. Sure, sure. These foods aren't actually organs. They're not uh, actually meat. Yeah. Surprise! Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of the dishes that Hannibal serves are um, are awful. Are um, uh, lungs or brains or hearts right. or testicles or tongues or et cetera. Right. Um, but in actuality, in the in the real world, as they say, mm-hmm. um, they are not those things. No. <laughs> um, this is both because they would spoil and the actors might not be comfortable eating an animal's tongue over multiple takes. <laughs> I will say most of them seem pretty down to try things, but it's one thing to like try it and then like eight takes later. Yeah. You might feel a little differently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, the food has to function on at least three levels. The example Poon gave to GQ is this. If Hannibal claims something is lamb's tongue, we, the audience, understand it is most likely human tongue. Mm-hmm. So, it has to look a little like both while being neither. Hmm. Poon calls her process Hannibalize. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. According to her, everything is edible, and a lot of consideration has gone into what she served. Uh, not only does it have to look good, like often tasty, uh huh, right, right, right. Um, often human-like, um, but also not quite human-like. She strives to make it actually taste good, uh, to make it easier for the actors to act when a lot of these scenes do require them to eat, uh, and it has to be something that doesn't require a lot of chewing because that would mess with lines. Yeah. And of course, spoiling and food safety are always concerns. So there's just all these things going on. Yeah, and that's in addition to the actor's dietary restraints because um, she she talks in her blog about how you know uh, a, a lot of um, a lot of humans in Hollywood are veering towards veganism these days. Um, lots of people are watching their gluten, other stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, they have to be physically able to eat it. She prefers them to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think there's only one instance where people really didn't, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. (laughs) Um, And she shared a story about how some of her meat substitutes look so much like meat that one vegan actor wouldn't even eat it. Yeah. In interviews, though, the actors claim the food usually tastes as good as it looks. Uh, And there's a a running joke that actor Lawrence Fishburne's character, Jack Crawford, is almost always the one that has to eat the dishes and comment (laughs) on them in the show, good or bad. Poon has also said that Mads Mikkelsen, 
quote, does his own stunts, which I love, in the kitchen and is a quick study. Oh, he's great. He like like what a what a job to step into a role that Anthony Hopkins just just knocked so far out of the park. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's a different sort of take on the character, but but yeah, no, he he does a really great job. Um, and I find that he had a career in dance before he was an actor, Mads Mikkelsen, and um and that that level of like comfort um and control in movement work really yeah. really shows on on this show. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, I suppose we've gotten a little we've sprawled away uh, from our usual. Structure <laughs> beats. Yeah. What about the nutrition, Lauren? Mm. <laughs> uh, okay, we can move on. <laughs> I would say a lot of fat looks like it's used. A lot of uh, yeah, a lot of the dishes. Like very rich. A lot of the dishes are very rich. There's a lot of heavy sauces. Um, there's uh, a lot of pastry. As I mostly joked once on the internet, um, you know, cook the rich to a safe temperature. That's probably uh, you know, but like one one forty five Fahrenheit uh, <laughs> if you're going by pork standards. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, we're, one day we're gonna do an actual episode on cannibalism, so maybe we'll we return to we that. will. That's gonna be long time from now. Yeah, it's gonna be a whole week when that happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> but at any rate, um, uh, we do have a number for you. I have two numbers. Oh, huh. I, at its height, the show is getting like 2.5 to 3 million views uh, per week. But it, it was when it was canceled. A lot of people were very upset. It had a very dedicated fan base called Fanables. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And after the show was canceled, there was a petition to save the show that received over 32,000 signatures. Wow. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Um. History-wise, I mean, again, we'll come back and do a whole episode <laughs> later. Uh-huh. Yeah, much of the inspiration. Yeah, <laughs> what an odd job we have. Uh, Sometimes it just strikes me. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, this Janice Poon, the style of food styles on this show. What a job! What oh a job. my heck, yes. Uh, and much of the inspiration for Hannibal's dishes, uh, she says, stemmed from historical dishes and cooking practices around the world, and in particular, 17th century Dutch chefs and meals depicted in the art of the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And these scenes in Hannibal, when the meal is presented, do feel like tableaus. Yeah. Uh, Poon has also cited Salvador Dali as an inspiration, as well as literary works like Dante's Inferno. Love it. I know. <laughs> And yes, not all the dishes on the show have human in them. I say with a question mark. Hypothetically. <laughs> Hypothetically. There was an aspic with an infinity loop of pickled anchovies. And this is the one, this is the one that the actors remember as being pretty gross to eat. They immediately like spit it out like children. <laughs> um, and Poon describes it as her least favorite to work on, but also mm. one of the most rewarding because of that. She oh, was just sure. really afraid it was gonna like collapse. Oh yeah, no aspic is very difficult. So um, especially for 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 camera, I'm sure that the 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 temperature yeah. of the I mean even with LEDs, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have to worry as hard about lights anymore. But um, but still, yeah, yeah, a challenge. 
What a challenge. Uh, there was also trout that was artistically dished to appear as if they were regurgitating their own tails. Oh. Uh-huh. Roasted lamb where the rib bones were positioned to resemble praying hands. Oh, my gosh. Alternately <laughs> called the sacrificial lamb or the steeple of ribs. <laughs> mm. There are plenty of dishes where we, the audience, are left in the dark about the meat being served. I would say almost all of them are like that. When Hannibal claims something is sausage, we really have no proof what kind of sausage it is. Nope. Nope. It's it's clear, like, I think about twice. It's, like, really explicitly clear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll get into those in a second. <laughs> um, it really messes with your head. It um, does. Even me classifying these few dishes as possibly not having any human in them makes me nervous because I can't yeah. know for sure. I can't know for sure. No. They very Animal well might. up to stuff. I do think there are a few dishes sans human. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it in my heart, mm-hmm. but I don't know which ones they are. <laughs> uh, and we do have a few specific examples. Um, throughout the show, these dishes are beautiful and mm-hmm. enticing. And as Hannibal warns in one episode, nothing here is vegetarian. <laughs> so again, uh-huh. hard to say. Uh, there are things like mushroom and spinach stuffed cow hearts. I hope you can hear the uh, heavy quotes. Uh-huh. Actually, because it's actually the art of a doctor who is rude to Hannibal. Oh. Never oh. do that. No, do not. <laughs> Asabuko made from the calf of a serial killer. I remember that scene. That looks so good. Like, <laughs> it looks so good. <laughs> I'm like upset by how good it looked. Oh, no. Pork loin with red fruit Cumberland sauce, which is all in quotes because blood might be involved in that mm. one. Um, Sanguinaccio dolce, which was a pudding made out of chocolate and the, quote, blood of a local cow, which I believe are meant to interpret as a woman that annoyed him. Um, a sacramente omelet complete with mysterious sweetbreads and strips of meat, boudin noir, our French blood sausage, and steak and kidney pie. We can all mm-hmm. guess what the kidney is. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most upsetting examples of hmm. Poon's work has to be from season three, the premiere of season three, when Hannibal serves a human thigh, uh, which was wrapped in a leaf and slow roasted in a clay pot, uh, complete with snails and skewers of sugar cane hmm. to the human the thigh once belonged to. Oh, huh. yep. Yeah. Okay. That's Eddie Izzard, I believe. That character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of the spoilers that I received. And yeah. Aww. Oh, it's Sorry. okay. It's oh no, no, no. No problem. No problem. And yeah, and apparently his character is just like, yeah, sure. I'll taste yeah. that. He's like, you know, I'm curious. Um <laughs> and this dish was inspired by the Chinese dish of candied pork belly. Poon calls this creation Pinhead the Cinnabite from Hailraiser. <laughs> oh. oh, I love it. Another infamous meal came from the series finale, Bedelia, uh, played by Gillian Anderson. Her leg gets roasted and then wrapped in leaves and surrounded uh, by bright pops of color from tropical fruits and flowers, as well as colonized, meant to symbolize Dante's Inferno and the Nine Circles of Hell. She also was, I don't know if chill is the word I would use, because she just kind of like really hides her emotions. Hmm. She mm-hmm. knew this mm-hmm. was going down and she seemed kind of like, well, well it's Hannibal. Suppose uh, it's happening. Hannibal. <laughs> yep. I guess I guess I should have known all along, huh? <laughs> yeah. I was his psychologist. 
Yeah, oops oops indeed. That's a pretty big oops. That's a, (laughs) yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, And and so we do have a few miscellaneous things here at the end. In 2014, British chef James Tomlinson combined together minced pork, minced veal, and minced bone marrow to create a burger that was, according to him, the closest you could get to eating human flesh without really eating it. Mm-hmm. Cool. I yeah. the look on uh, your faces. It says it all, Lauren. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm not sure why one would do that. Uh I, I mean, yeah. Questions have arisen to my mind for sure. Yeah. Well, it, you know, okay, great. Good for <laughs> good for him. Um oh, geez. Um, I'm like more upset about that than I am about like the rest of this. I'm like, at least that's fictional. Like this guy's running around in the real world. What's he up to? Anyway, um, I'm sure he's perfectly nice and has a, a lovely sense of humor. Yeah. Uh uh, so so I guess I guess a, a big a big question here um is, you know, aside from is the meat human, is will the show come back? Um, and there is a lot of buzz about it um, since the series is up on on Netflix pretty recently. Um, and, you know, since, since the show was was canceled anyway, um, Fuller has said that he was was waiting to try to option it to um, to to a streaming service or, or another network. He was waiting um, for some of the rights to characters seen in the films to revert to the film's producers before he started entering talks about a season four. Um, that, that, that reversion happened in August of 2017. Unfortunately, since then, um, or uh, unfortunately for Fuller and the series Hannibal, since then, um, CBS obtained the rights to Clarice Starling's character for a TV series that they're planning. Um, and they say doesn't need to involve the character of Hannibal Lecter, and I'm not sure any, it's, you know, that's up to them. So she could not, as of now, anyway, um, appear in future Hannibal seasons. But, um, but yeah, he he said that he has some plans for it. He's said that, you know, like the actors and the executive producer are into it. He's talked about um, bringing it back as like a couple of miniseries, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and it sounds like um, he, he's, he's said that some of his inspirations, that one of his biggest inspirations for the show was the work of David Lynch. Um, and uh, stuff like Twin Peaks. And so, you know, I, I, I could I could see, knowing what I know about the way that the show ends, I, I could I could see him doing something really extra dreamlike and mm. weird for, for oh, future yeah. miniseries. But um, but yeah, he says that he really wants to explore that relationship between between Dr. Lecter and uh, and Mr. Graham. And so, you know, I, I I hope I hope that he gets to do it because I'm real curious now. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and oh, I yeah. really want to see more of Poon's work in oh. in this particular avenue. She and she works on a lot of different projects. Um, basically, wherever uh, she she does a lot of work. So yeah. s- s- certainly anything like if you ever see someone eating brains on set, mm-hmm. like there's a decent chance that she was involved. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, especially like elevated brains, like if you've got like a brain taco <laughs> or something like that, you yeah, know, yeah, not yeah. just like piles of brains. But yeah, right. I don't know. Um, and yeah, and I really recommend checking out her blog. It is so yeah. beautiful. She goes into so much detail about how she yeah. achieved different things and and has all of these behind the scene photos and stories. Uh, 
It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And reminds me of uh, of when we had V. Kelly on the show to talk about special mm-hmm. effects. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a delight to hear her write and talk about these gruesome things, but in such an upbeat manner. <laughs> <laughs> Just so excited. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if any of this has sounded appetizing to you, has whet your appetite, uh, I would recommend checking out the show. It is very, it is very uh, M.A., TVMA. Yes, yes. Um, Uh, It's really upsetting. Oh, yeah. Like like we said, we watch a lot of horror and it unsettled me for sure. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of stuff we didn't touch on just because it's like, perhaps too short to go into too much detail, but uh-huh. th- there are things like growing mushrooms out of bodies or <laughs> yeah. um, like taking out a liver and replacing another liver. It, there's a lot going on. There, Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps that's obvious, <laughs> but... Yeah. Oh, oh, one more one more thing that I did want to touch on, though, is Dr. Lecter has a, a, a very refined or specific, perhaps, sense of humor... And mm-hmm. so at these dinner parties, there's like there's like a 79% chance that he's going to drop some kind of pun that you yeah. know that he is cracking up internally about. Yep. One of the one of the recent episodes I watched, what was it? Um it is so lovely to have friends for dinner. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and later on that really gets amplified because oh my you know gosh. he's like He's like toying with these FBI agents that are yeah. looking for him, but having dinner with him, not realizing. <laughs> and at some point, like Jack and Will are trying to, they think it's him and they're trying to like lure him out. So they're doing puns too. Oh, and he's no. Like, they're having like a weird, subtle, oh, tense pun off. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> what a strange situation. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. That's so, so you good. have that to look forward to. Mm hmm. <laughs> Uh, but in the meantime, I guess we should wrap up this discussion of Hannibal, the cannibal, for now. We we should. And hat to uh, Thomas Harris for naming the most famous fictional cannibal of our time something that rhymed with cannibal. Genius. That's a lot, but thank you. Um, yes. Uh, so, yes, we do have some listener mail for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! Woo! 
Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener. Scary. Lita or Leda wrote, I just listened to your Gochu Chong podcast and I'm actually writing in response to the first listener mail where you mentioned eating or drinking unexpected things. I immediately thought of a classic family story. My grandma's favorite drink is a martini. Okay. For some background of how she makes them, she uses bottom shelf vodka. <laughs> and the smallest (laughs) splash of dry vermouth all over ice. When she would visit, we didn't have any special cups for mixed drinks or anything, so she would just make them in her regular water glasses. Oh, no. One time, my grandma made herself a martini and set it at my brother's place at the table. He, about 10 years old at the time, thought someone very kindly had poured him a glass of ice water for dinner and took a big swig. The look (laughs) on his face was priceless. My grandma just celebrated her 90th birthday in August, and my dad shared the story once again with everyone on the family Zoom call. (laughs) My brother didn't have video on, but I could hear him rolling his eyes. He's now 29. I mean, that's got to be a big shock for a 10-year-old, for sure. That would be a big shock for me. Um, Yeah, me too. So that is hoof, hoof. I love it. (laughs) I'm glad you all got to celebrate over Zoom. That's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and happy birthday to your grandma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Steph wrote, I immediately had to write in after your Mjatsen episode. Mart's, 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 Nikes. I still can't. Mjatsen, I think. Anyway, I couldn't believe you didn't mention my hometown, the land of Oktoberfest, Kitchener, Ontario. It holds the second largest Oktoberfest in the world. Why, you might reasonably ask? Kitchener was founded by German and particularly Mennonite settlers and continues to be a hub of German-Canadian heritage. In fact, the town was originally called Berlin, Ontario, but changed the name to Kitchener during World War I because the city worried no one would want to buy anything made in Berlin. Now, knowing more about Earl Kitchener, I'm not so sure they made the right choice. But anyway, I have many fond memories of eating schnitzel and spätzle to the tune of the chicken dance throughout my childhood. As a university student, well, let's just say the memories are hazier. I am sure I had a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Sure you did, too. And I love this. I love that the second largest Oktoberfest celebration is in 
Ontario, Canada. <laughs> yes. Why not? Oh, I that's that's great. And I hope that I'm saying Kitchener correctly. I a lot of listeners uh, have written in about going to Oktoberfest, various Oktoberfest, and you'll be hearing lots of those coming up. And it looks like a blast. Uh, it really, really does. So thanks for that. Thanks for sending those and yes, sending pictures. Always. Yes. And thanks to both of these listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. You can also find us on social media. We are at saverpod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yes, that's the third one. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks so much to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.